You're listening to The 7 Peer Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders, entrepreneurs, and startups fill gaps, streamline operations, and drive success across the seven peers of business. Really quick before we dive into this week's episode, a lot of you haven't yet hit the follow button on your podcast listening platform of choice. And so if you've ever enjoyed this podcast, we have a request. Please go hit the follow button. It helps the show more than you know, and the more exposure we have, the more people we can share these dynamic insights and stories with. Now, without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Joining us today, we have really, a really, really cool show. we got two exciting guests with us. And one of the things that comes up a lot in conversations with myself after running companies for so many years are topics around diversity in the boardroom and diversity in the executive suite. So we've got two guests with us today that I'm really excited to have Aaron introduce here in a second with us, because the topic we're going to talk about is bridging the corporate divide. And, and this is really important for a lot of people that are trying to build companies and build growth and build all the things that you have to have around you when you're building you know, these organizations. So it's going to be critically important to talk a little bit about this today. So Aaron, tell everybody who we have with us today. I will. And I'm super excited for this discussion. So like Anthony mentioned, we have not one but two amazing guests with us today. First, I want to introduce Christian Heyman. He is a grad of University of Massachusetts, which I don't know if you knew this, Anthony. He was a four-year D1 rugby player. So fun fact there. I did not know that. Yes. I didn't know that part. Yes. It explains a lot now. Yep. <laughs> Broke my jaw here and here. Two concussions, 150 stitches, two crack ribs. Well, wow. We're going to have to share the... We're going to have to share the stitch uh, conversation because I've got one of those stories too. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, Christian has an MBA from Duke University also, and he stays active and involved amongst the alumni network there. So outside of work, he has uh, some cool hobbies, including hiking, reading, and he also stays engaged with men and women who have disabilities, which is awesome. I'm excited to hear you know, how that may have influenced your business philosophies around reshaping um, and connecting communities and the things you guys are both doing. So um, Christian isn't the only guest we have today. I'd like to also introduce Farad Ali. Um, he is a local, regional, and national business leader with a keen understanding of business and community development principles. He brings over 30 years of experience to the table as an entrepreneur, a business executive, corporate banking officer, consultant, community volunteer, and elected official, all in the Triangle region. And together, Christian and Farad are the force behind and co-founders of Ali Heyman, which is helping to drive equity and growth through connecting networks that may otherwise have never have gotten connected. So Farad, Christian, welcome to the Seven Peer Podcast. Thank you. It's fun to be here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. We're glad you guys were able to join today. And this is this is cool because we get two of you. We get we get both parts. 
you know, of the of the new thing. And, uh, you know, this is really uh, opportunity for, you know, people to get to know you guys. And really, I think Aaron hit the nail on the head, right, of trying to bring these networks together and things. And, you know, when we talk about bridging the divide, we've got a Blue Devil and a Tar Heel <laughs> on this call with us. So you never know, right? It can be done. You can put them in the same room, right? So it's, you know, it's pretty cool that we are bridging the divide right there. Well, it's funny. What, what people normally notice is that, you know, Farad's white and I'm black and then, you know, the whole Duke Carolina thing. But yes, we, we have, uh, we're, we're different colors in every imaginable way. Yeah. I mean, and this tells you, right, that this is really what I wanted to talk about today and why I wanted you guys on here. You know, I've worked with a lot of companies over my career, you know, running them, doing other things, and I'm continuing to help foster, you know, and grow, you know, the startup and entrepreneurial community here, you know, in the triangle. And I think this is really a a good topic for having you guys on about it because community building is really the catalyst to a lot of the things that we're trying to do. Because as you're building companies and things like that in an area, you got to keep feeding, you know, the funnel. So we're going to talk a little bit about like how we do all that stuff. But before we get started, here's the one thing I want to throw out to you guys. And, you know, we know a little bit about you guys, but what's one interesting skill fact thing that we don't know about you that everybody would be very surprised to hear about yourselves. I'll self-share this. Farad doesn't know this. When I was, uh, I don't know if this is fun, but this is relevant to the conversation. I wanted to be a Tar Heel so bad. I uh, My MBA dreams and hopes laid on my acceptance letter from UNC. I had a, a board member, a former alum, all these people write recommendations. And I got a big old fat rejection letter from UNC. And, uh, and Duke was a school that I ended up getting into. So I'm actually a... A different color of blue, but I would have been a super happy Tar Heel Keenan Flagler alum had they accepted me, but they did not. I was I was rejected to get my MBA at UNC. I don't know if you know that for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They told the whole world. Actually, it was printed in the Wall Street Journal. They wanted to make sure that people knew that. They sent it to Massachusetts to let them know that they could have you, that you weren't ready for the South yet. You had to get to do some maturity. And so that maturity model kind of brought you after you got through that Massachusetts maturity model you were able to come south and get a great education. So we appreciate that. That's great. That's great. It explains a lot. All right, your turn. It's now, now it's your turn. Yeah, probably people don't know, but I, I follow so many music genres, right? I kind of grew up listening to Miles Davis and jazz and really heavy in the jazz space with John Coltrane and that group. And, and then began to go through this kind of R&B and rap side and really got really excited about that and some gospel music. So that's probably fits my, my character of, of the, the various ways I operate inside of my community. What people don't know is like, I'm a big Neil Diamond fan. Right. And so I used to, <laughs> I used to sing his songs and, and just really get enthusiastic about that. So it kind of adds to my repertoire. When people see me, they go, you know, Neil Diamond. I'm like, what? So anyway, so that's uh, that's probably something people would not recognize. That. Oh, for, no, that's pretty cool. That's cool. I, we we seem to have a trend, Aaron, like with a lot of the guests that we've had on with these music connections. Yeah. It's really interesting that you bring that up, Farad, and um, different kind of genres of music that you wouldn't necessarily you know put together with the people we've had on. And it, it's been all over the board. And you know, Aaron's a musician, you know, as well. And we had a mm-hmm. long con- we have long conversations about music, you know. And I love going down. The that path because of the types of things that right people resonate with because it does bring things together or it really is a good you know conversation point for trying to bring things together because music does kind of you know bring 
people together and it allows you the opportunity to write experience things through some different eyes. And it's pretty cool. Like Neil Diamond, that's, that's, that's pretty yes, impressive. Music is a universal language. So yeah. it's, it's solid. It reaches anybody anywhere, anytime. Yeah, that's so, right. Talk to your heart. Here it goes. Yeah. So no, that's pretty cool. You know, and you know, that's, this is really why I wanted you guys on today because I wanted to learn a little bit more about, you know, what you guys are trying to do to reshape, you know, the diversity and corporate culture and the communities and trying to understand what it is. So, you know, tell me a little bit and tell our audience a little bit about what really brought you together to start building out this type of motivational mission um, to start bridging these things together. Because I think personally and professionally, you guys have done the lots of different things but to come together to be able to do this. Tell us a little bit about how this all happened. Well, I will yield to my elder and let Christian go first. So the, the, this part of the story is probably on me. Um, three years ago, uh, a dear friend of mine invited me to partake in something called White Ally Training through RTI International, which is a big global conglomerate here in the Triangle. It was a chief human resource officer named Lisa May. And she goes, don't read too much into this, but I think you would just benefit from, from this. And so me and seven other executives went through this program. And um, I was embarrassed and enlightened at the same time. I was embarrassed that I had spent 43 years as an educated, white, affluent um, American and not sort of understood that having black friends and going to a black church and listening to music of different genres and, and, and genuinely, you know, being uh, intrigued by the stories of black men and women in our like didn't mean that I was doing anything. And so I realized like, wow, there's just more here for me. But the word white ally really stuck out. And the first person that I called and had a meaningful conversation with about it was Farad. And I said, this just makes me feel like, a, I don't know, like, a, am I supposed to help you? And how do I help you? And, you know, my idea of an ally was like a person that holds your hand. But the idea of an ally is a wartime friend, someone that helps you when you need help, right? The allies came Nazi Germany. And so he said, man, listen, if you've got some time, I could tell you about many, many white people in my life who have opened doors for me. And they were white allies. And so we started this conversation about two years ago. And I ended up bringing that training to a group of CEOs that I knew well. I brought that training to a group of CHROs that I grew well and realized that among the 19 people that I had go through this again, um, they, they had people in operations in over 100 countries and they had over a million people that worked for them. So I thought, man, the triangle in a local way can have this global impact. And so me and Farad started thinking about what could that look like and sort of what does inclusion mean? And I've been doing executive search for a long time, which is kind of my, my understanding or my prism kind of under which this came. But it was like, you know, search firms have the unique ability to include who they want to include into that candidate mix. Anthony, you've been a CEO of a business before. Like if the search firm includes these 10 people, you're going to meet these 10 people. And so I thought, how do I figure out how to include more people in my professional life? And when I go to a basketball game or a football game or I go to a dinner, how do I just think about that differently? And so Farad and I decided that we were going to start a firm that was going to be really deliberate about creating opportunities for people that wouldn't normally have opportunity the word never and always I tell my kids never to use so I don't want to say never but people that that probably it, 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 
there would be a very low likelihood these people would be in the same room in the same conversation, let alone sitting together, tailgating together, breaking bread together, visiting together. So our goal was thinking through how do we make those introduction networks as an economic tool to make the triangle more inclusive of more people. So that's kind of how this whole thing got going. Then Farad came in and took it from the 20-yard line all the way across the field in the end zone. So sounds, I sounds about right, Farad. You're carrying him the whole way. <laughs> he took it literally the rest of the way. So Yeah, that's, uh, that's because of his training he's saying that. But really, we know that it's a, it's a team sport, right, um, like anything else in life. Um, we're really excited to when um, after Christian and I started talking around this, we started talking about ways to really uh, curate this opportunity, right? So how do you curate the chance to use your allyship to make impact? And so there became this chance or this opportunity for us to look at how do we help together work to raise the cultural competency of the community in a really deliberate way. We really focused on this this conversation around figuring out the competency. You know, what is the cultural competency of this work? And how do we use competency as a way to help both environments get greater understanding of how to work together? Um, and that's really where the, the magic is, right? Is that not assuming biases for people of different issues or concerns or really blessings and looking at people as assets. And so we've been focused on how do we um, make these assets create a outcome that's really good for community and for and for um, and for ourselves in the business. Yeah, you know, and I think you know that's a great kind of jump point because you know I think you guys have both dropped some really good nuggets you know into there about what you know what this means and what it means to you know be changing because business is ever changing. The landscape is ever changing. And I don't think enough people realize that, that, you know, you can't always sit stagnant and just continuing to do the same things over and over. And, you know, the key phrases and things that, you know, even Farad and Christiani were both talking about, right, was partnership and assets and like, you know, doing these kind of things. And one of the trends, right, that I've always seen was, is from my perspective, you know, running companies and doing other stuff, you know, when you can stay ahead of the curve and you can be adaptable, and you can take on those challenges straight on, right? It really comes into what success may be because you're, you know, you're starting to do that. You know, one of the things that I think is critical, like just from where you guys are sitting in community building, how are you guys staying ahead of that curve? Like, what are the things that you guys are watching and paying attention to just so that you always stay ahead and you can see what that next trend might be? Is there anything you guys are doing just to kind of pay attention to that? You know, the beautiful part about the beloved community is that we find a way to look at each other in our, not in any of the isms, but as human beings. And so I think Christian and I come to the table with various experiences because of maybe where we were born or who our parents were or what the influences that have been able to be in our lives, positive or negative, because of our station. And so we still see that as beloved experiences, that if we can enlighten people, that these beloved experiences help to feed something positive, curate, fertilize, that even when people are being tried or tested, that you don't just go through it, you grow through it. And we believe communities can grow better and stronger um, by going through some adversity and that we would like to be agents of those changes. And the benefit is that because of our different experiences, 
we can have different conversations to maybe bring people closer together in a way that will allow them to love each other in a beloved community um, in a way that's positive for the, the outcome for this region. Yeah, no, I think that's powerful for Rod, right? And that is it, right? That is it. This we're, We are all in this together, right? So it's like, we've got to be part of the same mission that you guys are trying to put together here and, you know, being supportive of all that thing. And I talk about my mentors, you know, all the time and mentorship and having people around you and surround you. You know, my two biggest mentors, one of my mentors is female and one of them is Jamaican. And the two of them come from completely different backgrounds. And, you know, we're sitting here talking about this because what it allowed me to do is see things from a different set of lenses. And you can ask a question all the time. And I look at it and I, you know, I pick up the phone and we talk to these people and Farad, you hit the nail on the head, right? It's, it's about being able to understand all of those different things. Just doesn't matter where we all came from. Can you kind of see the bigger picture, you know, what we're trying to do? And that's why, you know, whenever I see and hear about what you guys are doing, this is really why, you know, it's important for us to be talking about this because we all have the power to make this change. Right. And it's just, it's really cool, right. Of what you guys are doing. So, you know, we've got people, so I'm going to talk about change, right. Cause change is hard. Lots of people don't like to change and, you know, what's some advice you would give to, you know, people that are listening out there who weren't necessarily thinking this way about, you know, how do they change things just like little by little, right. It's, you can't just bite the whole thing off. Like what's some advice you would give to organizations, to people, you know, that are listening in terms of, you know, where to start, how do they drive a little bit of progress? You know, I look back on my journey of going from where I was three years ago to today. I mean, it seems like a journey of 5,000 miles. Um, But like Lao Tzu said, right, it starts with a single step. And so I think for anyone just taking stock of their network, you know, their their personal and their professional network and just saying, how can I be enriched by someone that doesn't look like me? Um, And so going from, you know, not caring whatsoever in any way to caring kind of not really whatsoever in any way. It's like just moving it a little bit. And for me, when Lisa May reached out to me and said, hey, I was probably in the middle. I, I, I'd done you know some work around this stuff and understood a little bit about this and Fraud and I had become really good friends and I kind of had already viewed him kind of as a mentor in my life and I was starting on that journey, but this, this moved me further along. And so I think for anyone that wants to understand just the community they live in better, especially if you live in the triangle, which is a very diverse community, no matter how you look at it, from the educational profile to the backgrounds of people to who are government officials to our governor. Into every, into every neighborhood we all live it literally in. Right? Does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And even if, some of the neighborhoods, the even if some of the neighborhoods are gerrymandered to look a particular way, you drive five minutes and it's different. So we're close enough. Um, like if I look out here in, in my, my view here, right, just within my purview. So I just I would tell people just if you can incrementally understand something more about somebody else, then that kind of moves you further along. And then when someone meets you here, what you're going to learn here is going to make more sense moving to here. So it's, you know, that that's how I've thought about this. And I'm I don't know where I am in the continuum, but every time me and Farad talk or we're exposed to something different, I kind of continue on my journey of understanding how inclusion isn't just this good thing we're trying to do, but it's it's business oriented, teams that are diverse win, communities that are diverse win. I mean, we talk about Atlanta all the time and Atlanta kicks our freaking butt because they figured out how to be more inclusive and a bunch, and Farad can tell the story, but a bunch of people got together and said, we're not going to lose these people. We will be their first customers, their first advocates, their first, their first whatever. We're going to make these startups succeed. 
And so to me, I want to make my community better. And the way that I know how to do that is by including more people in my community. It's just kind of a simple, simple math game to me. Farad, yeah, talk talk a little bit more about that because I think that's a really important. It's it is, you know, there's I guess the mathematic equation and then there's the real world, right? And you know, like how do we bring those two things together? Yeah, you know, it's um it's interesting. Um the one thing that Krishna and I both and I share is that we we both grew up um being um we thought we were athletes, but we had we didn't get a chance to play sports. And I do remember in in as an athlete that it's so important that we, um, we're, it's based on your talent, right? And so there's an inherent value in athletics for recruiting certain people. And people have a way when they're recruiting to not look at their current financial situation. They don't care what their parents doing, really irrelevant of where they live. They see a talent, and that talent has been expressed on some field or some court or some ice hockey ring or some place so that people can see the beauty of the talent, and they never look at who the, the exterior person is because you can get over all of that if they can play. Yeah, I, I like the athlete piece of this because that comes up multiple times in conversations we've had with people too. I think there is a thing that we can learn from a lot of that process because, you know, talent and skill, right. Just overtake everything else. It doesn't matter about all the other things, right? Because if you've got all these right people in the right room and doing all the right things, um, skill and talent should just overtake anything else that you're doing. And, uh, you know, I, I like the, I really do like the athlete piece of that because when you were on the field or doing things in those kind of situations, you didn't care what anybody else was, right? We were all there for the same common goal and mission, right? And it was to win. And, you know, that's what you're put on the field to go do or put out there on the court to go do or whatever it might be. And in business, it's not any different, right? And you want the best players on the field, right? Whenever you're out there, it doesn't matter, you know, where the backgrounds come from. And I love that analogy because I think you're you're spot on. And, you know, Christian, you mentioned it and Prad, you mentioned it. Like you look at the, the RTP area just in general, we are very unique in how close we all are, you know, to each other as opposed to what we see in other cities around the country. And that's why I like talking about it. Aaron and I talk about this all the time. With We've talked about it with other people. We've got lots of community builders that are really interested to come on, you know, and talk about it because in order for that to work, you've got to keep filling the top of the funnel, right? And you've got to fill it in different ways. It can't always be the same thing with the same story, with the same, you know, outcome. The only way that communities build, right, is having all of these different perspectives. And, you know, again, we are a one to two degree network, you know, here in this area. And it probably will be this way for a very long time because of how tight knit it is and, you know, how welcoming people are usually, you know, as transplants. Right. There's a couple of us here today that are transplants here and the community has been welcoming to us um, and it's been good for a lot of people. Right. So. I will say, you know, one thing that I had to confront, and this isn't to dispel what you were saying, Anthony, I, I believe that, you know, I, I know that you took this, you know, the, the role you had and you were able to plug into people and you had a system, but, you know, 
when I was still in my executive recruiting world and people would say, you know, why the triangle? I would say, let me tell you about Bob Ingram. Let me tell you about Sandy Costa. Let me tell you about Jim Dayton. Let me tell you about Ed Auschlander. Let me tell you about the guys that sold Bronto and at Jurassic. Let me tell you about all these entrepreneurs and all this money. And they stayed. There's this incredible network. And it didn't occur to me until about nine months ago, every single one of my examples was a white male. That's fair. And so I'm like, man, it's crazy to me that people that come here and succeed as a black or Hispanic or part of the LGBT community, whatever money they make, whatever job they have, they come, they hang for a bit and they leave. And so I thought to myself, gosh, how many successful black men and women or just just to say non-white male, let's just say non-white male. Do I know they came here as a transplant, built something special, made, you know, what I would call a, a fortune, you know, $10 million or more and stayed. I mean, you look at Preston Wood and Hope Valley in these areas and these homes that are built for these people, they're forever homes. And so Farad and I dream, you know, what would that mean if that this community brought those people here, we embraced them and loved them and made them feel welcome, and then they stayed. And then we have an Anthony Rotoli who stays and has a podcast and wants to talk to us and hires Aaron to work with him and has a whole world that that expands from that. All that we would lose if Anthony Rotoli, as soon as his job ended up, left and moved back to Atlanta or DC or Baltimore or New York. And so how do we get people to come, feel welcomed because they are welcomed and then they stay and then we get to benefit from everything that we're benefiting from having you remain in our community. Yeah, Christian and you know Farada, I look at that as exactly the reason why we're doing this, right? Is you know, we are trying to help continue to build this community and keep reinvesting back in this community, regardless of the types of things that you're doing. And Aaron and I, and you know, you guys are we're all working with much, you know, different types of people today than we would have, you know, years ago. But that's the only way, right, that we continue to help this area evolve into what we all believe and know it should be. Uh, and becoming, you know, coming from the Northeast, you know, it was a very multicultural environment. So I was always used to that. Right. And it's, it's, you know, crazy to think that we couldn't do that here. Right. And we absolutely can. And I I love the fact that you guys are bringing this all together, you know, and trying to connect these networks. You know, one of the things, you know, I know just, you know, it's really important to me was really about that, you know, bringing the boardroom together, the executive room together and having all different walks of life. You know, give me, you know, kind of any advice, any anecdotes, any experiences you guys have seen, you know, that really help you put together some admiration for who's starting to really buy into this. And you see as, okay, these are some really cool people we can learn from. I've got so many people that I admire for so many different reasons. I mean, my business partner is someone that I admire more than more than I could ever share because of the work that he's done. I mean, again, when I think about the world that I was in an executive search, you know, a company would say to me, you know, hey, you know, find me a CFO, find me a CTO, find me a whoever. And, you know, I'd really love for the, the candidate slate to be diverse. And if that was the last I heard of that conversation, their slate was not going to be diverse. Not because I don't care, not because I'm not interested, not because they don't care or they're not interested. But we all know when you give someone a task and there's no follow up, there's no renumeration and there's no um, um expectation of it will be diverse. And so the CEOs and boards that I really love say to me, 
we're not even going to start the interview process until you find and sometimes diversity means a white guy there are functions where a white male in that situation would be diverse and so it's companies and ceos that have the power to drive you know my friend ari madoff who's a dear friend of mine who runs a hundred million dollar in-home healthcare business here locally called arosa which was bought by bain capital a couple of years ago um, I, I had the fortune of doing search work for him in my prior life and he would say to me, you know, I don't, I'm not even interested in a slate unless it brings together a diverse, and me are your friends. So I know what that means, right? Um, you know, he's like, find me a, a Latina female that can be my CFO, right? Find me a, an African-American man who can be my head of HR. Find me a, a diverse slate of people. I, I'll, I'll pick who I want to pick, but give me the chance to pick. I mean, Tunde Satunde, who's the CEO of Blue Cross and Blue Shield, I mean, Bob Gretchen, incredible leader, uh, Brad Wilson, great leader. Patrick Conway is now the CEO of Anthem. They've had a history of great CEOs, but Tunde came in as a Nigerian black man. And if you look at his senior team and what he's done, it looks so different than it did under Bob and under Brad and under Patrick. And again, these are incredible men, philanthropic, generous, kind men who care about this. Um, Tunde just took it from that to where it is now. And so I find, you know, it, it takes a leader to say, you know, not I'm going to hire this particular person because you can't really do that. But I, I just want to meet an inclusive group of people before I make my decision. And so those are the people that I, I really um, appreciate because they're using their influence and their access and their positions to, to, make, a, to make a positive stand. You know, as we're starting to be at the infancy of what can become the next generational shift here, you know, in the triangle, what we're trying to do is bring all of these people and cultures together. And it's part of, you know, the stories that we tell and how I've run the businesses. And it's really valuable, you know, to have these insights and experiences, because I think people forget the people and culture side. Uh, you know, of all of this makes everything else work. And, you know, it's really cool to have gained some of this insight from you guys today. And I know we've been, you know, chatting about this here for quite a while. You know, what I'd like to do is just thank you guys, you know, for coming here. Thank you guys for doing this. Thank you guys for bringing this together because it's something that's so needed here in our area. So I, I just got to thank you guys. Well, thanks for giving us the platform, man. It's been fun to spend the time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've got probably other topics and things we can talk about and go on and on about just, you know, if we want to make fun, you know, of each other a little bit more too, I think, you know, we're all good with that. So, you know, I want to thank everybody for listening today. You know, I appreciate, you know, again, the guys here joining us. It was really cool and informative and, you know, I, you know, you continue to learn, you got to be a sponge. You got to continue to explore. You got to continue to innovate. You got to continue to listen to other people, you know, because that's the only way in which we make this all work. So everybody out there, keep thriving, keep working together. We appreciate you guys. Thanks, Aaron, as well. And we'll see you all soon. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into this episode. We really appreciate it. If you found this conversation valuable, go ahead and share it with your network and make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast listening platform to be the first to hear of new episodes. Until then, stay curious, stay engaged, and stay tuned for more amazing insights right here on the 7 Peer Podcast.